Hey, this is Thinking and Drinking. I'm your host, Bart Almond. Over the last 30 years or so, I've worked for major record companies, working with major artists such as Alabama, the Dixie Chicks, and Florida Georgia Line. I've also been writing songs for the past 15 years, have over 50 cuts, two number ones, and made a lot of friends along the way. I'm going to be talking to some of those friends about songs, life on the road, and just life in general. I hope you have as much fun as I will. As I like to say about most of my friends, Jimmy Ritchie is an interesting couple of guys. He's a songwriter, guitar player, record producer, snappy dresser. He's all of these things and a heck of a funny guy to boot. He's worked with all sorts of cats, including two of my favorite country singers, Mark Chestnut and Joe Diffie. He came out to Disgraceland and we laughed. And I mean harder than I've laughed in a long time. So buckle in, friends. Here's Jimmy Ritchie. Jimmy Ritchie. Yes. The Seattle smile. I'm wearing it. <laughs> and wearing it well. Dude, thank you so much for coming out to the country, man. I love it out here. It's not far from my house. It's um Well, we will do this more often. I'd love that actually. That'd be fantastic. I took a not probably the most direct route. <laughs> I followed my nav system. Sometimes instead of taking uh the shortest mileage or the shortest duration of time, it's like Maybe the one that seems best for you at the moment, which is a, was a crazy trip, but here we are. Probably I've been here before, actually. You have. It's been a long time. Long time. You probably took the road with the least amount of tolls. Yeah, there are not a lot of toll roads out here in Williamson County. I took the road with the least amount of lines, <laughs> like white lines, center lines. Well, so you are from the Seattle area. Yeah, south of Seattle, kind of halfway between Seattle and Portland, real close to um, Olympia, Washington. They made beer there. They made beer there. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it was also, called huh? Olympia beer. Olympia beer. Yeah. A friend of mine actually um, has bought the trademark to Olympia, well, at least the way it looks. It looks just like the old Olympia beer trademark. Oh, that's and now cool. they're making vodka. Really? I thought that's kind of interesting. That's where Don Rich, Buck Owens' his guitar player, is from as well. Is it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get into uh, uh, playing and writing? Is there? Do you have a? Is your family musical or any? Uh, I mean, just slightly, just generations of slightly musical family. I think generations prior to mine, um, there were probably musicians that played and gigged and stuff, but not like anybody professional other yeah. than a weekend warrior kind of thing. And I just was encouraged by my dad and mom, who they were music lovers, but not really players. Okay. And, uh, so they just encouraged me with lessons, and they watched a lot of music on TV from Lawrence Welk or Hee Haw, you know? Yeah. So it was easy to get inspired as a kid. So um, was country originally what you, I mean, we talk about Hee Haw and stuff, was country originally the kind of guitar playing you wanted to do? Um <clears throat> That's not the first probably music I heard, but it was probably the first kind of guitar playing that resonated um, in my head just because my grandma, they'd listen, to, my grandma and my parents would listen to the same shows on Friday and Saturday nights. So we're like, hee haw, pop goes the country, and a couple things like that. And plus, like old time music, like bluegrass music and fiddle music, my dad loved all that. So yeah. between those TV shows and that old time music, I found a home with country music, just because like that was just something easy to see happen. You could see Roy Clark playing a banjo Dude. on TV or Insane. whatever, and yeah. it all kind of made sense for me as opposed to listening to 
you know, the radio and was like figuring out, hey, that's a guitar. This is like, I could right. see what was happening. Here's some hay bales. I've jumped on those before. I'm just missing the banjo. Here we go. <laughs> and Roy Clark was freaking awesome. Yeah, he was great. I mean, that's probably was my biggest influence, honestly. I wanted Dude, to be like him. That ain't a bad one. So you, uh, you went to Centralia College. Yeah. And uh, you actually won the Distinguished Alumnus Award. This year, yeah. How did that make you feel? It was great. I mean, um, I only went went to that college just because of um, the music. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I do appreciate the fact that I didn't even finish college and I I got that award. And uh, I try to. um, I love my community. Let me just say this. I mean, when people ask me when I when I want a vacation and get out of this town or this mindset. Where do I like to go the most? Oh, I like to go home. Yeah. Because in a good way, not a lot changes. Yeah. I mean, the same people are doing the same things, and um, it's just like going back in time for me. I love it there, for sure. You know, I, I uh, spent a lot of time out in Wenatchee. Yeah, right. That's so, right. Yeah, man. I, I I totally get what you're saying. That Pacific Northwest, man, is beautiful and quiet and... Just has a thing about it. Yeah. Certain pockets of the world have a thing about it. Yeah. You're, you're from Nebraska, right? I am. It has, a, has its thing. It's got you know, a thing, man. Texas, Florida. Yep. You know? So it's wherever you're from, it's always a great place to be from. You may not want to live there now, but it's a great place to be from. It's a great place to go back and settle down. Grab a cup of coffee and just shut the crap up for a while. Yeah, because I think uh <clears throat> you it takes you it's easy to go back in your mind to a place where where you're at now doesn't exist when you're in that place that yeah. you would go back to in your mind. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure either. We're gonna have to get a grease. You know. So you you not in a bad way, but you came to Nashville a little bit late. You were twenty five. Yeah. So many guys get here when they're thirteen or whatever. It's like what were you doing before you made the trip? What what were you doing out guitar wise and music wise? What were you doing out there? What well, I lived in the northwest and I was fortunate enough when I was a kid to get into a I kind of grew up in a music store in my little community. I started taking guitar lessons from there, and then I transformed, in, or yeah, I guess transformed into being the guitar teacher at this little place. And, and then I ended up working there, and and I met some people, and I ended up being in a band. With, and uh, you couldn't play in bars; doesn't matter if they were like bars or like Eagles, Elks Lodges, and right. fraternal clubs, right. until you're at least eighteen. You had to be twenty-one. Um, fraternal like Eagles and Elks Lodges I don't think so either actually but um, so I, I ended up getting in a band with this gentleman and uh, he played a lot of fairs and festivals and stuff oh, cool. I was pretty young 16, 17 and uh, and with those gigs playing fairs and festivals we traveled all summer and uh, we got to play with some Grand Ole Opry stars that were um, that's cool we were like the house band in the Northwest in Washington, Oregon, Idaho. And guys would come up there and do like a five or six day run, make a little money, use our little band. We'd open. This guy was great. Jerry Owens, great little band. And, uh, that's where I got to know some of those people from here. And, and, and in the end, I ended up moving here with some of them being some of the connections that kind of, uh, 
you know, encouraged me to move here. Oh, that's now. cool. Yeah. So do you wish you would have moved here sooner or did you need those connections to get here and you moved here right when you should have moved here? I think that when the first time I came to Nashville was like 1988 and just under the circumstances, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. It was really a lonely kind of situation. I was just out here. I think about it now, running around with all these famous old Opry stars and being right. the only young person around. And <laughs> You're in Stone, Stonewall Jackson. Like, yeah, you can stay up here on the lake in Hendersonville. Yeah, I can stay up here on the lake in Hendersonville by myself. And <laughs> yeah. Do what? And so I was like, I, it didn't feel right. So I ended up going back home, and that's where I went to Centurion College, actually. One oh, of the okay. reasons is because of uh, the music theory teacher there, actually. The guy who taught music theory there is... Uh, is was um, an amazing teacher. Actually, he's the guy who taught Don Rich, Buck Owens' teacher. Buck wow. Owens' guitar player had the same guy. It's crazy. It's he like still 45, 45 years later, some crazy stuff like that. So you and Stonewall Jackson were going to the Waffle House. Yeah, and well, you said I'm going to go back and learn theory. In, yeah. at Centralia. Yeah, it wasn't Stonewall Jackson. It's probably <laughs> Jenny Pruitt or maybe Ferlin. I think it's probably Ferlin. Ferlinesky. Yeah. 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 Bobby Bear. Oh, for sure. So what made you go come to Nashville again as a guitar player instead of staying in Seattle for that music scene or even just heading south and going to the Bay Area or L.A.? I ended up getting getting into a country band with some people from Seattle. Used to live in Nashville that moved back to Seattle where their family were. They were getting a little bit older. And these two two ladies were really talented and they had a bunch of great musicians in Nashville that had been in their band. They were in the house band at a place that used to be called the Stockyard. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they used to also play in the alley. Wow. Back in the day. Okay. And Donna went around Donna Mead and Tommy. Oh, yeah. I can't I remember. Donna. Yeah, I can't remember Tommy. Riggs, I think was the guy's name. And they were just another, like, two-sister duo before the Judds. And... uh they ended up moving back. They had everybody played with them from Jim Brown to Paul Franklin to Brent Mason. to You can just go down the list of all the great session players around that we have now. Ended up at some point filling in for somebody playing in their band. You know, it was fantastic. <laughs> but they ended up moving back to Seattle, and I ended up getting a gig with them. And then one of them ended up moving back here and encouraging me that, hey, well, you know, I've played with all these people. You should right. try to – you should go to Nashville. You should – sure you could probably make some money or find a way to find a gig i was like okay that's what i'll do so you were already kind of didn't have a great first experience but you still knew that nashville was the place you got to be well eventually for what you wanted to do yeah eventually it's like i'd i'd run out of other things to do musically where i was too it's like yeah i kind of built myself to a level first time i came here i wasn't even 21 years old hmm. so i could you know, I kind of thought I built myself to a place where I'd done kind of what you could do up in the Northwest. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, and I ended up, um, you know, having some people um, that, you know, even opening shows in the band I was in with those ladies. Like, we opened a show for Dan Seals. Jim Brown was in the band. Really? Yeah, he played keys and guitar, and I hung out with him. This is long before I ever moved to Nashville. Wow. And he says, yeah, man, you could probably get a gig back there. He even <laughs> tried to help me get a gig with Pam Tillis. And I produced her last record. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> this town's the world's small. So when you got here, 
What did you do? Did you try to get a gig or did you? Yeah. Were you trying to write? No. I was trying to just get an artist gig. Okay. Just play for somebody famous. Make some, you know, figure it out out then. Find a, you know, try to. I played, you know, played more than one instrument and sang pretty good harmony. Yeah. And you juggle, right? Yeah. And I ride that unicycle pretty well, too. (laughs) Pretty darn good. So, how did you get your first publishing deal? I mean, how long were you here before you got your first publishing deal? Six years, maybe. Sorry, that was such a tough question. It was a tough question. It's like asking me the first time I actually started cutting hair for a living. And you know that's tough. That's a whole different part of my past. I don't go back to often. I, I didn't even know that. But right there, you go. So, who did you write with? How did you? I mean, seriously, how did you get your first publishing deal? I got. A, I started making records before I got a publishing deal. The first time I figured out, first time I started writing songs is when I was in a band that you just happened to co-manage. Oh yes, you want to talk about that for a minute? <laughs> I'm trying to uh, kid lonesome. Kid lonesome. Very yes, lonesome. indeed. Yes, very kid. Very lonesome. Yeah. Indeed, so yes. most people don't know that Bart managed a band with um, uh, Mr. Scott Bruschetta. Um, Adrian Michaels, Adrian Michaels, Christy DiNapoli, mm-hmm. all very successful people in this music business, except like, for Bart Allman. As that's not true, <laughs> Bart included. And we were a band on Warner Brothers, and um, I got put into to that a band that existed already. And they fired a couple people in the band, and through a, a chain of events, I ended up being in that band. And we were on Warner Brothers for three years, and we cut sides. You produced some of them. Yep. Uh, Mike Clute produced some of them. Somebody else produced some of them, maybe. I think Doug Grau. Doug Grau and Christy, maybe. Yep. And um, so that's how Bart and I first met, actually. <laughs> what was the question? I don't remember. How'd you get it? your first publishing deal? You oh, didn't well, start... there, there you go. How did I get my first publishing yeah. deal? I started writing songs with the lead singer of that band. Who was a pretty good songwriter? Yeah, he was. And we wrote songs as a band, and we probably had made some sort of uh, verbal agreement that, like, hey, if we're going to write these songs, we're all going to do it as a as a band, and we're all going to equally get a percentage. And that very rarely works. And nobody knew about publishing yeah. anyway. Yeah, so you know who knows what, but it got me into writing songs, and I started writing songs with people <laughs> with. In various combinations and, uh, you know, talking to these songwriters about songwriting and learning more about, you know, when you go to write with somebody and they're living in a $3 million house and all they do is write songs, you start thinking, there's some money in this songwriting thing, possibly. I should do that. Yeah, maybe. So, and, you know, they always... um, you know, we're encouraging just because I could play. I was a decent musician. I think if you can hold your own in some kind of an environment and, you know, people have a lot of um, sympathy for someone like I try to pull that from most people, the sympathy card. Um, it um, ends up working out pretty good for you. <laughs> 
And you're a freaking great guitar player. Thank Come you. On. So are you. Well, I, I'm a great guitar owner. You have some great guitars. I, thank you very much. So who did you start writing? I mean, outside of the band, then how well, did then I Well, then I kind of figured out what Songwriter was about. Then I got helped get a guy a record deal by the name of Tommy Shane Steiner on yeah, RCA. Yeah, yeah. You might have actually been working for the company. Nope. Went No, you just maybe left? Or? Nope. I, yeah, I, I was gone. You were but, gone. But, but I you worked for the RCA, that. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then, you know... Um, you know, we thought we were songwriters, and that's what artists did. And I had a really tight relationship with the kid, the artist. And um, honestly, from, you know, thanks to Renee Bell and Joe Galani giving me somebody a chance to make a record in an environment where most labels were ran and controlled by record producers. There weren't a lot of outside people making records. The people that made 85 to 90% of the records in our community were made by the people that ran the record labels. So yeah. I had a very good opportunity to do that. And was lucky enough to get some good opportunities to write songs thanks to the label in the beginning because I didn't have a publishing deal. And really? No, 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 no. And then that's how I met Lisa between okay. looking. That's how I met Lisa Ramsey. Lisa be- Ramsey. Yeah, between looking for songs for my artist and saying, "Well, yeah, sure, me and the artist. Yeah, we're writing some songs. You know, we got some rights with Bob Regan, Bob DePiro, you know, whoever it was, All the Bob's. Tom Douglas." So that was Lisa was at Hamstein then. Yep. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's that was the first place I got a publishing deal. Okay. Hmm. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, Jeff, um, Jeff, and uh, Lisa and Tim Hunsey. Tim Hunsey. Yeah. So you were you were just writing with Tommy Shane, or I mean, not just with because you just said, but you were writing for. Tommy Shane, that was your main? Yeah, that was right at that particular time. But then I got another opportunity to do another record on Sony, like for Clay Walker. Okay. And he was still pretty pretty hot. Yeah. And uh, so that just kind of made my uh, real estate worth a little more, maybe. Because, well, well he's writing for this guy. He's probably going to write for this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, Clay yeah, was yeah. writing stuff. You know how that deal goes. What was it like the first time you heard your song on the radio that you wrote? Or or the first song that you produced. That you produced. I mean, it's obviously it's like a dream come true. Did you just pull over to the side of the road and cry. Um, that's what I did. Seriously, I don't think I pulled over on the road. I can't remember exactly the first thing I. I think I was just driving down the um, down like I was actually in Nashville. I know that. Yeah, and uh, it was an evening. And I was leaving, um, like, before traffic got bad, uh, easing my way very, <laughs> very directly to Highway 65. Right. And probably somewhere getting on the freeway there, I think, is when I heard it. And I was just like, you know, you look in your mirror and you see, like, what was the only the Bat building at the time. Yeah. And you're like, wow, you're in Nashville and there's one of your yeah. songs and shit, you used to think about doing this when you were six years old in some capacity. I wish I had someone to call. Yeah. (laughs) Who are you going to call? Batbusters. So, okay, as a producer, after Tommy Shane Steiner and after Clay Walker and stuff, you're still, I mean, are you now trying to be more of a writer, a producer, a a session guitar player? Because, I mean, I keep saying this, but it's the truth. You're a freaking great guitar player. So, I mean, I mean, you're great at all that stuff, but I mean, what are you, what, where's your, where's your head going? Right now, it's probably more in the world of, um, like, 
between the stuff that I've developed, I've just kind of gotten to a good mode of developing talent and having some luck with just different things and starting a publishing company. And, and no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking back. Oh, right after Tommy Shane Steiner and, oh, and Clay oh, Walker. Oh, just producing records. Is that that's what you wanted? Yeah, to do. writing songs. You know, I okay. never. It was, but all I ever wanted to ever do. Honestly, it was just get great musicians that were better than me in a room and feed them my thoughts and ideas that I could never execute. Isn't that the best thing in the world? Well, that was my best thing. It'd be like yeah. if you were a kid playing baseball and yeah. you could cherry pick every of your famous, famous baseball cards between Hank Aaron and Ken Griffey and everybody in between. Stick them all out there on the field and you'd be the guy looking over the fence, telling them where to line up or yeah. what pitch to throw. What's better than that? For me, Yeah, that would be the best. So... Okay, you're writing songs, you're recording demos, you're doing sessions. Yeah. Are you playing on this stuff? Yeah. Okay. Is that... Okay, what about when you go to make records? Are you playing on those records, or do you hire a Pat Buchanan or a Tom Bukovac or whoever? I, I never, ever take a full group of musicians into the studio to Never? Try, well, no. To, 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 I never take a full group, a bunch of musicians in the room... And to track or to work on a record or whatever and be out there with them okay. at the same time. Okay. But yeah, I do play on records. Okay. My records. And sometimes I'll go out there, but it's never my intention to ever be out there trying. It's too hard for me to think about what I'm doing and to really be able to. I'm always thinking about, God, could you play this, this? And I can't be thinking about See, what I'm hearing, overhearing Tom doing. It's maybe something brilliant he just didn't do. And I want him to do that because I'm worrying about what I'm doing and I just totally miss it. You that's know? what I've always thought. Not that I'm on your level as a producer or a guitar yeah. player, but I don't. I wouldn't even play acoustic on my sessions. No. And I said, because if I do, I don't hear what the keys guy's doing. I don't hear what I don't. The, the other guy, the drummer's doing. I don't hear what the, I don't hear any of that stuff. And so it, it's so frustrating. You can always go back and do your thing. Exactly. Hire whoever you want to play acoustic yeah. on it or whatever it is. Yeah. So when you hire Book or Pat Buchanan or whoever, I mean, how much do you go, hey, please do this, hey, please do that, put down the Les Paul, pick up a telly, <clears throat> put down the Marshall, pick up an Ampeg or whatever? How much, how much do you do that? Because you already have so much respect for those cats as players, or do you just let them go? Man, that's a really good question. I think <laughs> first it starts with casting the band. After you work with these, I've never been the kind of um, record producer in town that gets um, that uses the same guys on everything. I mean, I consider myself a musician. I've sat in the room with them just as a player with someone else, you know, as a producer. Yeah. So. I've always been able to just like cast a band that's going to head me down the direction that right. I already want to go. And then in this, I can just make some su four or five suggestions between Book, play a telly, uh, Whirly. Yeah. Play a P bass. Exactly. Give me a Russ Kunkel snare. <laughs> and then I'm already 80% in the direction. And yeah. then other guitar player maybe play a Gretsch and play single note things in the chorus. I know what that's going to sound like. I see. That's exactly. I've always thought it's way easier to bring the players in than to push them out. You know what I mean? You can't tell those guys how to do that. You're no. getting the greatest artists in the world, a paintbrush and their easel. Absolutely. And you put them in a room says, you know, I'm thinking thick autumn. 
Autumn, you think sky, you know what I mean? And you paint a bridge. And between the end of it, it'll look amazing, you know? And, and not tell him exactly what to do. Why would we do that? Yeah. I and like, do it all myself then. Right. And like you said a couple of minutes ago, you, you hire guys that are better than you to do that job. And you hire them because they're better than you. And not to mention the, the moment. You yeah. know about that, the vibe. That That is so much to that. You get a great bunch of musicians feeding off of each other and a great singer in their headphones in the world's most perfect environment to listen with the greatest players. That's all these guys ever wanted to do. With some great songs. With some great songs and a great singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, that, that I love. I love. I'm, I'm so. I'm, I, I'm so sad that we don't get. To, I don't get to do this much anymore. I as mean, a, no one does. I as, mean, that, but, the world but, of a room full of musicians is a oh, dying man. thing. And as a writer, you, you go in to do a demo session, and we're getting five, hopefully six songs. Mm. in three hours and you just watch that band come alive it's amazing what they can do in 15 minutes unbelievable yeah of course it's a fantastic it's like you can't explain it to people no you really can't you can't explain it to the layman because they don't understand that they're looking at a number oh you mean that's not just uh, a a violin part that's written out that right. someone's playing and they're counting the measures until they right. play 16 bars and then they're out. This person's looking at a number <laughs> playing off of something they've never heard before, trying to feel it. I mean, come on. Right? And by the way, they were out back smoking a cigarette until the second chorus. Yeah, and, then they, they and they weren't listening after the in. second verse. I mean, you're right. And have, I mean, Gordon Moe can't even see. <sighs> it always blew me away to be on Has he been out here? No. You should get him. He'd be fantastic. He would be. But it was always so interesting to, to be in a session. And by the way, I never did sessions. I learned this. This was a book of act thing. I never did sessions any other days but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Because he said, by Thursday and Friday, I've already done every solo I can do. Yeah. On a one four five or a one four six, five yeah, and right. a six and a two flat flat two. Mm-hmm. And so I always did them in the, the early days and just um, just watching those cats. I mean, sometimes anybody in that band was so hungover from last night, they would be holding their chart and, you you know, you you could just <laughs> hear their eyes scraping as they blinked and they just didn't matter. And they'd go, can we just go out and try this? Can we just try it? And they'd go out, and I'd be like, I mean, originally, I was like, ah, this is going to suck. And then you hear them light it up, and it's like, holy crap. No kidding, right? <laughs> These guys, man. Fantastic. It's the, unbelievable. The, the and best. The, 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 the magic in those cats. When they seriously, even though we're all friends with these guys, we've been right. friends with them for 20 years, but at the same time, they also just have that, I don't give a crap about this song. All I'm thinking about is a chicken sandwich in about two and a half hours. <laughs> so when am I getting out of here? Exactly. So when you play on on sessions on records, are you are you lining up amps and guitars? Are you lining up Kempers and Fractals? What Guitars. And amps. It's all guitars and amps? I don't have any amps? kind of modeling, any of that. So I, what are your, what's your favorite handful of stuff? I know I just interrupted you, sorry. Oh, no, no. Um, I mean, I mean, I always I got a, a Blackface Deluxe around there. Okay. And um, usually I always use an external speaker. And I got a matchless Lightning 15, which is kind of a special amp. That's cool, yeah. There aren't many of those. 
um, which is a cool Class A amp. You know, an old AC30 I got in England. Um, it's been converted, um, you know. To an AC35. Yeah, no, AC, no, yeah to an AC30 <laughs> plus. Or, I'm not sure the, what the theorem is to do that, but if I had my calculator, I could get it for you. So maybe you could see it in some of the B-roll, actually. The um, We'll get to it. But, um, and maybe a... <laughs> A Princeton. Yeah. But so, that's about it. So seriously, you're talking 30 watts and below. Yeah. So you're not running 100-watt Marshalls through 412s and stuff. No. Is that just because that's you just don't like that tone? or because that's... I think you can get that tone without having to do that. Okay. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, but I'm. you know what I mean? I've never yeah. put that, put it up to A, B. I always seem to... Um, find a tone that works in the track and it's never necessarily about what's up does that make sense yeah. it's like yeah okay it's like okay i need this this is what's plugged in if you give me just a minute i'll find something that kind of works because i'm always like the, the end all <clears throat> the end guy guitar solos are usually done i might be doing something Really? It's not. Yeah. So I you're mean, the flavor guy. Yeah, maybe the yeah, the last guitar, hey, you know, we could do this here. We could let me try this little slide thing or whatever. Usually not there sitting working on guitar solos all the time. You know, I shouldn't say that. It's just anymore. It could be anything, but most of the time I'm just trying to fill in a track where I think something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily have to be anything that I can't um EQ to make work. Does that make sense? They're yeah. never such a prominent part that it needs to sound like Mark Knopfler. Okay. Yeah. Is, that I'm makes trying sense. To, yeah. yeah. Or the, 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 it's never, you know what I mean? So you're adding color and flavor. And yeah. T- yeah and, and then you're going to massage Yeah, there's massage always some, probably some great guitar tone from one of our town's great guitar yeah. players, Brent Mason, Pat, <sighs> Book, yeah. any yeah. of them, you know? And I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to do something to to do something to make something happen in the track. Right. And it's never usually anything that involves fantastic tone. I hate, you know what I mean? No, 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 no. You're finding something this big that fills a little space. Yeah, it could be quirky. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the best sound and tell you through it. You know, it doesn't, you know what I mean? So do you, as a producer slash guitar player and that kind of deal, do you, do you, listen to the track i mean obviously you've been listening to the track as you're producing it and then you go i got this thing right here and you already know that's a princeton through my favorite or that old joe glazer telecaster or whatever or or it's a blackface through a les paul i mean do you you have those guitars and and your favorite stash of pedals in mind when you go to do that yeah and usually it doesn't involve many pedals yeah it's usually a guitar and an amp and then um i might create a delay or something external you know through a delay pedal depending on what it is but it's usually no distortion pedals yeah no um once in a while i'll use a compression pedal but it's usually about amp and guitar so you're going to take the distortion whatever that distortion is off of the amp yeah. not off of a pedal and then try some different mics too because and cabinets excuse me i'm sorry and cabinets okay. too because all the rage. you can i mean some of that things that we don't like about distortion and that mid-range has a lot to do with the speaker and the cabinet yeah you know what i mean yeah so 
so then how do you add distortion if you I just turn the amp up okay so i get it to you know what i mean okay depending on the amp you know you can do that with a deluxe or whatever yeah spinning the color you're looking for and if you turn it up loud enough um that's all we're trying to do with our pedals so you'll put a deluxe in an iso room and just dime it if you need to right or i'll take a deluxe and i'll unplug the speaker and run it to a closed back cabinet okay with a couple different speakers in it and then um, maybe use a 57 on one and a 409 on another mm-hmm. or a cascade ribbon mic in the center and a 57 you know whatever i like that talk are you a Royer 121 guy? I like those Cascade. I hate to say it. I love those Cascade ribbon mics better than the Royers. Do you really? I swear to God, I yeah. put them both up together. I used to love those Royer ribbon mics, but here's the deal. <clears throat> You'd look at a mix from some great engineers, and I'd see how much of the 57 would be up, and I'd see how much of the Royer was up on the fader, on a Neve console really? or an SSL console, and it just kept, and it just, and I'd say, well, what's this doing? Well, oh, that's not working. You know, I do something, you know, and try, hey, you know, the guitar tone, why is this down? Just from a visual thing in the beginning, I turned it up, and I didn't like what it did. And then I found these Cascade um, ribbon mics, and they're not that expensive, I swear to God. If you had to have two microphones in your house, that would have to be one of them. Really? Yeah, those with those Lindell or Lindell converters, I don't know what they are. And uh, they're a <laughs> ribbon mic, just like the Royer, but they, I mean, it's like on acoustic instruments especially they're so good i'm just saying and amps they just i think that royers are great yeah but they just have a little bit of a mid-range thing to me the cascade is just making you happy yeah just a little cleaner for me so okay from producing writing what how did you you started a publishing company i started yeah well in nashville yeah i started a publishing company with clint hyam who manages kenny chesney and Old Dominion and um, a, a slew of other people, Michael yeah. Ray, I don't whatever. And uh, my relationship really started to prosper with him when um, I I found Jake Owen and, and started working with him and, and got him a record deal, and we were done with the record, and he didn't have a manager, and we liked the way Kenny Chesney looked on paper and how he was doing business, and Joe Galani seemed to love Kenny and the way everybody loved that yeah, whole sure. vibe in the building started a relationship with me and Clint. And then we were like, well, Clint, maybe we should find a publishing company because Jake's written his, start a publishing company. Jake's written his whole record and we could mentor a guy and we could sign him to our publishing company and do the same thing again. Yeah. So that's kind of what we did. And that guy was, um, Sam Hunt. Yeah. So that's and, how I got it right with Sam was from yeah, you. Yeah, and you guys wrote a good song. I know. I, I wish he would have cut he it. He might still. Who knows what that guy's going to do. <laughs> it's a good song. So who did you sign as a, as writers and, and the, why? The first guy we signed was Sam Hunt because he was okay. brought to us by a friend of ours who um, wanted to get in the music business, basically, and he was a good friend of mine. And I was like, okay, we'll get in the business with you and Sam Hunt, and I'll, he'll be the first guy. And then we signed Pam Tillis. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and uh, just because I got to know her, and she's one of the most talented people, not the most talented person I know, period. Seriously? Yeah, she's fantastic. I mean, fantastic. Writing, singing, playing. She sit over and write a song for three hours and pick up the guitar and have a song of 30 chords like a Jimmy Webb song and play it in five minutes. 
Mm. I mean, she's really talented. Great lyricist. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, who else did we sign? Don Poitras. Oh, yeah. I love Blaine Don. Larson. When he had a deal on BNA. And myself. I think that was it. Okay. So why did you sign yourself? Why did I sign myself? Because I needed a job. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. Well, I wasn't, actually. I needed one. So I started a company. <laughs> So you later on after that you started the the Richie Entertainment Group. I just started that because I kind of wanted to shift into management. I found an artist that I believe I really believe in. The guy I'm working with right now is on Sony. He's been signed there for about four years. Um, he's had put out some music, and now his first single has gone to radio here in the last I don't know two and a half months. And um, I just feel like my value is a little bit more than just sitting at the kitchen table trying to write a song or definitely making a record. I'm making music with Dan Huff on some of this stuff, some of the stuff I've produced by myself on this particular artist, Robert Counts. And um, he's a really talented kid. I'm just excited about him. So what made you want to get into management? I mean, I know you've been in, in this town and this business forever and a day. But what what made you think you wanted to get into management and that might be cool or fun or that something you could be good at? Well, I think sometimes management can screw things up. I hate to say that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah, I bet. And <laughs> sorry. Um, but sometimes I'm like, I wouldn't do that. And a lot of times these artists don't get managed by the manager. Right. They get yeah. managed by someone down the food chain. Yeah. It's like, take care of Joe over here <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, I mean, not every, not, you know, not, that's, and it no, doesn't so, always work out for like Kenny and Clint. Yeah. And that's a great story. God bless them. Clint Dude. and Kenny, they created an empire. And it was kind of like, well, Clint, you know, uh, um, Clint, go help Kenny over here. He's new on Capricorn. See what yeah. you guys can come up with. And then they, they created... It was awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. But you don't always get your Clint Hyam right. when you're way down the food chain as a new artist. You know? Yeah. So I'm you get just, the manager's right. cousin's little brother's yeah. next-door neighbor. And I'm not saying they can't even won't be amazing one right. day. It might work. Yeah, but when you've got a kid or something that's been on the road since he was playing since he was 19 in college you know going to college and playing every weekend and you know you hire an in you get you a manager gets a, a new artist and he doesn't have a day-to-day person so they take the intern and they convert he just got graduated from belmont and they turned him into the day-to-day guy <laughs> and and your artist has been out on the road for eight years right and this person's never even saw the inside of a tour bus or a van or a hotel or a stage or knows what the word monitor mix means. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but so, he can, but he can find a good restaurant and a good golf course. Well, sure he can. Okay. That's right. And at some point in his career, that'll be important. Yeah, but not now. Not right now. Nobody's got no. any money to the golf. No. Nobody's got any golf clubs in the van, bar. In the van. Oh, in the van, right. I was the playing. Van. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Robert Counts, man, is killer. And I, I'm kind of mad because you haven't let me write with you guys yet. But I don't hardly, you know, I haven't written two songs with him this year. Has he written everything I looked at on YouTube? I listened to. I looked, I listened to seriously everything he, I mean, did he write all that? Everything. 
He's he's great, dude. Where's he from? He's from Franklin. Oh man, dude, I'm telling you, he is fantastic. I, I'm not here to you know. No he, man, he won't I listen to this. Love but, it. I mean, I've been around Why here a long time. Why wouldn't he listen to this? I mean, he's not going to listen to me right now. He he's not here. You said we can't edit it, but needless to say, <laughs> I won't. I'll say this: he is a really good songwriter, and um, he's a really talented guy. He's got a really cool vibe. I mean, why don't you ride with him? I'll set that up. You. Why don't we do that? Dude, Why don't you guys do that? Do I don't it. need to be involved. Yeah, you do. I can. When do you want to set it up? Next week. Okay. All right. I'll put it together. No, to me, he's he's that kind of, you know, we, uh, everybody's been looking like for the last four or five years at Stapleton as like, who I freaking love, but he as like the, the savior of, you know, real country music, blah, yeah. blah, blah, not using tracks and blah, blah, blah. Not that we're crapping on that, but... The Robert Counts, man, that freaking his stuff is is that. It's it's the thing I love about his songs is the thing I love about all great songs is you can take a great song that's a massive gigantic seven thousand track production and you can break it down to a singer, a songwriter, a guitar player and make that song awesome and yeah, i think I that's what where his songs are i yeah, freaking really love good. that stuff he's good man yeah i hope he gets to the place in his career where he can can really um put out some songs that are maybe not just right down the middle of the format because he's written them i mean yeah i mean i've heard everything's written for four years so how are you as a manager dealing with a record company trying to get a the promotion staff fired up how are you taking him to radio when you can't take him to radio how can you take him to the fans when you can't take him to the fans how is all this working as a from a management standpoint so they try to say that and this supposedly is true that he's the first person to do like a a a virtual radio tour right um, I've done a ton of radio tours back in the day when I was a side guy on the road. I've probably done a dozen for different artists. We won't get into that. Um, but uh, so I kind of knew how that could look. And I knew if Robert could honestly get into a radio tour situation and get in a conference room with somebody, just him and his guitar and three guys like a radio tour yeah. looks, he would do quite well. Yeah. And it kind of bummed me out that he didn't get to do that. But they set up this thing in my studio, in my basement, with some stuff from Sony. L.A. Sony sent some cameras and some sort of virtual oh, cool. virtual recording <laughs> microphones that did some ambient whatever. And and they kind of did a bunch of – they did a pre-recorded thing, and they sent it to the label or to the radio stations, and they kind of scheduled some Zoom calls. But in the end – He's got a pretty good a single that's doing quite well. Um, it was like uh, one of the most added records of the year for a new artist. And what's, what's uh, the single called? It was called "What Do I Know." Oh yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. at forty three or something. I don't even know where it's at. Yeah, but they, you know how they always have these ads and stuff. <laughs> but here's the deal: the song is either going to do it or it's not. Yeah, and. I kind of like the fact that it's a level playing field right now. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's like relationships are one thing. There's no, uh, you know, there are no shows. There's yeah. no, um, you know what I mean? We're not filling your conference room full of pizzas and beers. Yeah, right. And, and, We're and not artists. taking it yeah. to the Palm. There's no pig porker in San Jose, whatever it may be. 
or you know albuquerque uh jalapeno eating contest that you might need some background music for right now it's really about the song car wash car wash no one needs any drinks served at the pool no pinnacle tournaments um so the song's Pinnacle. doing well it's researching well and luckily <clears throat> enough terrestrial radio some people heard it yeah. steve hall just played it for some folks and people got excited that's great that's the only reason it happened honestly because yeah. i'm sure they didn't want to even think about having a radio tour without being able to have a radio tour yeah think about that for what? A no <sighs> think about it dude how many of those did i do oh dude i couldn't even imagine <laughs> a lot. danny lee i did sarah <laughs> evans no, I never worked with Sarah. Jim Lauderdale? Never worked with Jim. Were you in RCA? I was. Who was there then? I was there during the hit. Clint nights. Black? Oh, yeah. Martina? Yep. Mm. Alabama. Ooh, There's Martina right there. Like her. Well, dude. I didn't know Harry Stinson wrote Wild Angels. Did you? I don't think I did. I didn't either until the other day. I bet he sang on it, too. I hope so. Yeah. Oh, she was awesome. Well, do you want to do my uh, my lightning round? Yes, you know I do. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do mine? Um, I do. Okay, fantastic. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you 67 questions. 67? No, it's like 11. But see, 11 sounds way better now that I said 67. That's a good year. So I, I think 67 made the best of years of cars. Yeah, the Camaro, the Corvette, Chevelle. Cougar. Oh, the Cougar. Chevelle. Yeah. Nova. <laughs> yeah. Alba Nova. <laughs> <laughs> Blood on the bricks, baby. There it is. All right, here's the deal. I'm going to ask you these questions. All I want you to do is just a kapow, fire off an answer. Okay. All right? <laughs> All right. It's called the lightning round. So I want some lightning. How long is this going to take? 67 minutes. One, okay. one minute it. per question. There we go. What's your favorite book? The Bible. Nice. Are you a bath or a shower guy? Shower. What's the last gift you gave someone? A gift card. <laughs> to Amazon. <laughs> What's <laughs> That's so that funny. That's probably the I last know. gift most it people probably have is. It probably I mean, we're going to say a stuffed animal, <laughs> snow cone maker, a, a panda, to a panda bear, pull the string, sing songs. Snow in. cone maker. It is Christmas. It is. What's Red the Red f- actually Veterans Day? I like to say something about it that is. when we get done. It is Veterans Thank Day. You. All right. So oh, okay. Back no, up. we'll get back, get you back to that. What's the first concert you saw? How old were you? And did you get a T-shirt? It's going to be Black Sabbath. <laughs> that's a tough That's a tough thing. The actual first rock concert I saw, let's skip like the local county fair where I saw Buck Owens or Myron Florin from the Lawrence Welk show. Or, nice. Or uh, Ricky Nelson three months before his plane crashed. Dude. This was interesting. I was, I was like 12. Uh, but uh, the first rock concert I saw was Judas Priest. Sweet. And I think I did get a shirt, actually. How old would you have been? 14 or 15 I went with my math teacher we had a good time and a few other friends a few, a few other guys from the bowling alley <laughs> I just saw a priest last year freaking love him oh man who so 
So, can we side note for yes, a minute? Absolutely. Sidebar for a second. So is Rob Halford singing and KK and Glenn are no longer with the band or what's how's it look? Glenn, are they in the band and Rob's gone? No, Rob's in the band. <laughs> okay. KK quit a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richie Faulkner is playing guitar, okay. who lives here in town. Yeah. Uh, Glenn is gone because he has Parkinson's. That's what it was. But he's still he's still able to write with him and everything. Okay, cool. So, so who's the other guitar player? Um, his name is uh, Andy Sneap. Oh. Who's their producer? He also he's a big English metal producer, and he's also a freaking great metal guitar player. It's awesome. Where'd you see him? <laughs> I saw him here in town, and I also here saw in town, really? also saw him in Denver. Yeah. Dang, that'd be fun. Sorry. No, next time they're in town, I'm calling you. you please, I'd love to see that, dude. So great. You're those right. Those guys were amazing. Oh, they're underrated. Gosh. They don't get talked about near enough. Those two guitar players. No. As far as two guitar players in a band, there's so like much Angus and Malcolm. But I mean, but but it's it's totally different though yeah, because totally, because it, it, that good at yeah. what they do though yeah. you know but there's so many harmonies and stuff it's oh. like like I think there's a lot of with the exception of ACDC a lot of those English bands Priest Iron Maiden Saxon there's so much harmony leads yeah you know they're all great on their own but there's it, it's so melodic which yeah is, they're really amazing. There's not always a, there's just as much fist to your forehead as there is melodic and okay. Yeah, I like fist to your forehead. That might be the name of my autobiography that I write one day. <laughs> Jot that down. thank you. Did your assistant get that down? Yeah, I think she did. Okay, do you collect anything? Guitars and cars. Yeah? Mhm. Do you have anything cool guitars that we need to know about no just the same i mean no, nothing special more special than anybody else just stuff you love yeah yeah nothing like i mean i've got a good strat a good yeah. couple less balls you know some good acoustics some old ones some good new ones you know just yeah just tools kind of mm-hmm. so if money was no object what guitar would you buy boy that's a tough one Actually, you know what I'd buy? I'll tell you exactly what I'd buy. Would it be someone's guitar or would it be a kind of guitar? Either or both. I'd buy a guitar that belonged to Django Reinhardt. Really? Absolutely. Just because it was his? Because he's my favorite guitar player. Really? Absolutely. That's, you know, he's. Um, just because I think if you can play like Django Reinhardt, if you can, which most people can't. Right. Um, you can play like pretty much anybody we've talked about tonight. Are you a huge? I mean, a big jazz player. Do you like all? Because well, I mean, I know you're you're so good, and I'm sure you have all that chord knowledge. Yeah, but good. that that's yeah, the chord knowledge and being able to play those chords is one thing, but to play those melodies and those yeah licks and solos and stuff that those guys play is just a totally different. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's it's very frustrating to me, actually. So you wouldn't buy like a uh, uh, fifty nine Les Paul or something just to just to have one. Um, I'd love to have a fifty nine Les yeah. Paul, and I'd love to have a fifty five Telly. Yeah, you know, but I'd love to have a, like an old summer gypsy jazz guitar yeah. from the thirties too, like an old Macafery or something. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so during this uh, COVID stuff, has there been a uh, favorite TV show of yours to binge? That's an interesting question. Interesting TV show that I've binge watched. I've been watching a lot of YouTube, actually. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Like magic shows and things. Sometimes magic shows are nice. Um, I hear a lot of people are watching magic shows now. I like magic. Yeah, I do too. Now I see it. Now you don't. Yeah. Um, who's the magic man? Um, I'm a magic man, and Nancy Wilson. Um, but you can ask. I him. mean, a lot of like a live like live concert footage. I think probably just because yeah. there's because we can't get out and see it. Yeah. No, I'm with not, you. Thank God for YouTube. I mean, in a weird sort of way, it's oh yeah, it's no, been I, a really a savior for me. I've honestly, been watching tons of that stuff. Just anything live to see yeah. somebody just playing their ass off. We don't get yeah. to see it anymore, and it's a great rabbit hole. You can go, yeah. oh, this guy's great. Well, then this guy's great. Well, then look at this guy. Yeah, Nick. And, and next thing you know, you look at your watch. You go, holy crap! I've been sitting here for three hours. What's the favorite song you've written, whether it was a hit or not? Oh boy, that's tough. I like the song. I, um, uh, I like the song I wrote with Bob Bob Regan because I thought it was a really good country song that was written in a mode of a song that doesn't get written. It was a shuffle. It was an old country okay. shuffle that Mark Chestnut recorded, and it sounded like Mel Tillis could have wrote it. I oh, mean, man. I thought we really. The language, yeah. the chord changes, it all was like, nobody will know. And plus, I I had people tell me that, which made me feel even like, yeah, yeah we did do justice to it. Guys that know, you know. That's so, cool. yeah, that was cool. Just an old country shuffle that sounded like it had been written in 1964 by Arlen That's That's a pretty good song. Yeah, it was. What, uh, what would you be doing if you weren't writing and playing and... Singing and managing. If I wasn't in Nashville in the music business, yeah, um, I'd probably be a chiropractor. Seriously, that's probably what I would have done. Yeah, you've got the hands for it. Yeah, thank you. I'm just saying. You're the second person that said that. <laughs> Seriously, I know what I was going to ask you before we we're almost done here. I love this though. But as a the Richie Entertainment Group, I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, you're producing, writing playing managing do you ever feel you're are you spreading yourself too thin do you have good people around you yeah i have great people i mean i have a lot of people that wear a lot of hats i mean seriously like like me i have people that have a a very um a tool belt with multi-tools in it people that can do this people that can do that a great engineer i can call say dude i don't have time to put power cords on that course would you handle it for me sure dude i'll put paul on you know somebody over here can do billing somebody can do this who's an expert in branding you know what i mean just a lot a really good team everything's driven by team there's no way it couldn't happen without a team and most of the artists that i work with are pretty self-driven too though in a way that they kind of the ones I like to work with kind of take care of themselves. Yeah, they're not needy. I just don't have time. I weed that out of my life. When I'm looking at working with people, I just have like a a column of things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. And in the end, as life goes on, I've learned most of them tend to um, be true. If they don't do this, or if they do that, or if they have never do this, or if this isn't obvious to them, or if they think this is the way this should be, all those things tell me, after all these years, like it would be with you, your percentages of um, really succeeding in this business, after we've been around these people for so long, yeah. all we have is so much time. Yeah. 
So you have to look at the ones that you think are going to win, right? Yeah. That you want to be around, the ones yeah. that are good and the ones that are going to do it the right way. Too many times we've seen people shoot themselves in the foot. Dude, work as hard as me, and then if we don't make it, then at least we go, hey, you know what? You can't blame me, and I we, can't blame you. And we did everything we could. Yeah, and chances are with a guy that knows stuff like you that knows this business and a kid that's or someone that's equally as talented that works as hard it should work yeah if nobody does something stupid yeah you know, or at least we're gonna make some money yeah exactly and they don't understand either how one incident is a game changer yeah for them yeah especially yeah one simple little mistake. <laughs> Let's be smart, kids. Hey, Let's be smart. Hey. So what are you listening to for fun these days? Bossa Nova. Seriously? Yeah. Because of And your- uh, Oscar Peterson. Uh, and Ben Webster and Coleman Hawkins. Is that because of your uh, ballroom dancing? Career? No, just because here's the deal. With Bossa Nova, if there's someone singing, I can't understand it. Okay. And with Ben Webster and Coleman Hawkins, two of the greatest tenor sax players of mm. all time, and Oscar Peterson playing piano, there's no singer. I'm not listening to anybody's problems. I don't have to listen to their issues. I don't have a singer expelling what's inside their heart to me right, right now at this particular time because right. that's how I make my living. Right. Making uh, that's sure a, that's a, 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 great point. A, a vocal is loud yes. enough or yep. a word is loud enough. Great point. Yeah, just like I can just kind of dig a melody and not have to worry about anything i went the other way when i was still in knee deep in the record business i would work or write country all day long and then at the end of the day i'd put in some pantera oh there's nothing wrong with that either just just because it was something so So different different, that it just refreshed me and then also by tomorrow morning i was ready to hang out with you and get after it write some country stuff yeah, so, that's a, that's just that would have probably that's probably a smart thing to do. It's kind of a palate cleanser in a way, you yeah. know. What I'm doing is probably not the, anywhere near what you should do. No, it totally it's, <laughs> it's the same thing because you're you're totally heading off into Something a, a, spaced out, just non man. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Not analyzing a lyric when you're a songwriter. You know what I'm saying? Dude, absolutely. So what's next? Well, I figured I'd probably grab something to eat. Well, <laughs> maybe hit a drive-thru or something. Did you, are, you, are you staying on the couch? No, Can no. I, those are the old days. Uh, with a nav system and a cell phone now, I feel like I can find my way home uh, from here. I'm pretty sure you can What's walk next it. for me? Yeah. Um, a couple cool things going on. Um, as far as like from uh, Robert Count's thing, he's shooting his video yesterday and the day before. Really nice thing. Sony, he's on Aristus, so that's going to be awesome. In the middle of shooting like um, I'm in the middle of shooting like a pilot for a TV show, which is pretty interesting. That's cool. Which you'll dig, actually. Um, some of the people we've talked about tonight are in it, actually. Do you need a pudgy guy with the funny beard in it? Actually, I'm I mean- actually eating my way into that position <laughs> myself. Um, but if we end up looking for a... An extra fat guy, to, you know, for like some camera blocking or something like that. You know where to find me. I tell you what, you're not far from where we're shooting this. So I'm I mean, in the country, but you're not allowed to walk. No, we'll keep that <laughs> up there where we need it. I don't want to lose any weight. No, of course not. No, um, no, and uh, just other, <laughs> just other producing stuff, <laughs> writing songs. You know, just trying to make it through this pandemic. Um, I'm yeah. fortunate it hasn't 
like you have a situation in your house where you're doing this with guitars and recording equipment and writing and doing your thing. I'm fortunate too that I haven't had to worry about getting out and about yeah. so much. So my life hasn't changed as much as um, some people's, and I. Yeah, for sure. I hope that um, people can just stay focused because I don't think it's going to come to an end anytime real soon. No, I don't either. Are you are you writing like Zoom writing a lot and stuff? No, I, this is the year I've written the least amount of songs, but I've probably recorded the most. On different artists, yeah, just all kinds of crazy stuff, independent stuff, mm. um, just crazy, just I mean, all kinds of stuff from Mark Chestnut to Pam Tillis, the um, guys, um, independent artists, um, Robert, um, a new guy that I'm getting ready to shop. It's managed by this guy, just stuff like that. It's been a a good year as far as like recording, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I haven't hardly written at all though. It's hard to write for me. Um, the Zoom writing thing. I like it. Do you? Yeah. I've been writing with a lot of uh, rock guys from L.A. That might be good. I mean, Which do you guys fun. have some sort of interesting system? Or Zoom? just throwing words back and forth yep. and playing guitars together? Yep. Electrics? Nope. All acoustic. Yeah, some people do well at it. It's it's been fun, you know. I mean, I can see, I can see whole rock bands that write together from four different continents and everything. I, I, I can see that being a horrible waste of time. But for the kind of stuff that I'm doing, it's like, and and I go back to it. It's like I got this riff, and I've already played it through whatever, so I know what it sounds like on electric. Uh huh. Sure. But I'm not gonna write like that. Yeah, you know, put a. I'm not. But gonna, do you play that riff for them? Oh yeah. Or do you send it to them ahead of time? Both. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sometimes I just send them a card trick, and that's enough. Well, sometimes I take my shirt off, and that seems to raise some eyebrows as well. But I'll tell you what, not as much. And you and I both know this until the candles come out, and not as much as it used to. You're right. I, I've noticed that most things aren't as much as they used to be. You know I'm that? not as much as I used to be. Actually, I'm not I, either. Actually, I'm more than I used to be. Isn't it strange that babies haven't gotten any bigger over the years? Like they're well, still they, seven to eight pounds. They kind do of eventually. Yeah, but in the beginning. <sighs> I'm tired. I just want to go to bed. That's all right. How about your Dodgers? <laughs> How about my... Fantastic. Your congratulations. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> well, Jimmy... I would like to say I love you, but I don't know that I do. So I will, I will just say thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I mean, that. it's good to see you again. Dude, you too. We got to do this more. I would love to. Maybe I'll bring someone out here with me sometime. Let's write some songs. I'd love to do that. Let's get you and Robert and me a day to write. Yeah, man. That'd be good with some guitar-driven rock and roll. Dude. No, seriously. Yeah. There's some guitars out here if you want to come out here. No, that's where we'd come out here. Oh, that'd be awesome. This would be fantastic. He's from here. It's like sacred ground to him. Come on. It'd be like two guys in Frank and, and me <laughs> on the other guy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>